Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. everybody welcome to the mini break a cracked rackets and tennis channel production your daily pod for storylines results and controversy in the tennis world today is wednesday november 6th and we're here to talk primarily about the next gen finals my name is jamie mcdonald i'll be your host for today with me is a voice you all know too well not mastikoyak but it's alex gruskin alex how are we doing it's always a treat to be here on a wednesday jamie happy to be here Wow, just just amazing, isn't it, to have you on? Uh, I miss my boy Matt here. This is the Wednesday or Tuesday night ritual for us, but um, alas, you know, you're still fun enough, right? Two Wednesdays in a row. That's that's a record for me. It's that's rare. True. Usually Tuesday nights, I do some reflection. Honestly, I watch Ooh. a lot of basketball. I'm like, let me try and fit in one more sport since obviously there's no females in my life. Uh, so I'm like, let me just try this. You know, Tuesday's usually my off night, but it's the next gen finals. That's my go to event happy to be here. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, let's hop right into it. First match of the day uh, that happened today. Kasmanovic taking on Kasper Rude takes him out in straight sets. It's always weird saying straight sets in these because then you go to look <laughs> at the sets and you're like, what in God's name happened to this scoring format, right? Like it 4-3-4-3-4-2. So, I mean, I guess you call them tight sets, but they're like half sets. It's It's weird. You're going to get mad that I do this, and I will try not to take on too many tangents. But because it was day one, I just need to ask you the the changes about the format. You'll talk. We talk. We'll talk about the scoring. God, I've had a stutter over these past couple of pods. I think I'm talking myself into it. But we will have the chance to talk about the scoring format, no ad, and how that played into the tennis. But just mm-hmm. a couple of minor questions for you. What did you think about the Roman crowd? Again, this is the third year they've done that. I always think that adds to the atmosphere of the match. I think it's fun, and you know, you award, we won't get too ahead of ourselves here, but you know, we saw an Italian winner for the first yeah, time, right? Exactly. And so, well, I think Caruana didn't he like upset Fritz last year or something crazy? Uh, but that was I, this is like the first winner that counts. Well, maybe it, uh, I don't mm, either the post, either the social post I saw was wrong, which is possible. That definitely said first no, Italian then I'm winner, wrong. though. Then I'm wrong. Uh, but who knows? Um, that That's my source, though. So my sourcing gives you <laughs> – no, I guess it doesn't give me that much confidence. But regardless, especially when there's an Italian in it and not just the you know an Italian in solely because they get in, right? It's somebody who we've talked about a lot, somebody we're excited about. Um, I mean, this, this crowd is definitely behind him, but a really fun crowd. And, you know, even though it was technically a straight sets win, I thought this honestly was a really good match to set the tone for the tournament. That match point was incredible. Yeah. Well, again, I'm going to get us off topic, but nothing made me happier because this has been a pet peeve of mine for years. Thank God they don't have a towel boy. Like they finally just have a rack and it's like, <laughs> yeah, Oh, you're sweaty. Yeah. yeah. Deal with your own. I almost swore, but it's your pod. So I won't, but deal with your own stuff, right? Don't infect other humans with your filth. And so that makes me extremely happy. Also, Caruana won the first set against Fritz, made it to an 11, nine third set breaker, but ultimately lost in four. So you were right. Got it. First Italian winner. But yes, in terms of this first match, 
absolutely, given that it's the end of the year, there's only one Italian player, but this crowd was there from match one to match four, and that's yeah. part of the fun of this event is that this crowd seems to really embrace the fact that, and the players playing seem to embrace the fact that this is the young player version of the ATP Tour Finals. To be there is an honor, and we don't see any of these players you know, tanking. If you're there, they're giving their best effort, and that means something. And in this first match, I mean, yeah, the the match point itself, obviously exciting. I thought in particular, yeah, it was uh, Kasmenovic who went first against Rude, right? Kasmenovic got the straight set win, and all of these matches are scrambling. I just think indoor hardcourt, I mean, we saw him make it... At, quarterfinals of Indian Wells outdoors, but this guy is just rock solid. It's not Djokovic-esque. That's such a lazy comparison, but he just does a lot of things really well, and I think he's going to be a high-floor player moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, he showed why, you know, he deserves to be in this, absolutely, so a great win for him, a good way to start it, Um, and then, of course, you know, his match tomorrow we'll get into, but that's going to be a tough one, but also one that I'm really, really looking forward to, so um, before we get there, though, let's go ahead and talk about the other matches on the day. Um, There were Real quick, because... What's Real up? quick, I do, I do. You know, you're gonna get mad at me. This is why you never invite me on Wednesdays. But I this do want why. to say, <laughs> well, because it's a tale of two stories, right? For Casper Ruud this year, he made his first ATP final ever. It was on the clay in Houston. Uh, you look at his season, 31 and 23 overall. Unlike the rest of the guys, no titles for him on the challenger circuit. He's really been fighting to work his way into the top 50. And that this match was a two tiebreak match that. I thought Casper Root showed, you know, a really solid level as well. It's hard to adjust to the no alleys. The no alley aesthetic is something I will never get used to. That's just a thing it from is the 90s appalling. that I will never enjoy. Yeah, just it is hard not to a look fan at. at all. But I am a fan. Casper Root, another one of these guys who's just lingering around the top 50. And it's like he's 20, 21 years old. There's no reason why, you, you know, you couldn't see him a random round of 16 appearance at a slam next year. Are you expecting that then, or where where are we going with that take? I mean, it's tough, right? Because you look at at the things he's done this year in terms of on the the main tour, he beats Yimmer in three sets on his way to qualifying in Paris. When you're young, that's a good result. A lot of his time has been first-round losses, but he went to St. Petersburg, got a couple of wins, a good win over Alexander Sasha Bublik before losing in three to Chorich, although I don't know if that's that great right now. Uh, He got a lot of slam experience, a lot of first-year ATP experience, and so many times we see players, if they're going to be good, after they get that first year of just life on tour, that second year, if they're going to make a jump, is when they make a jump. And he's got the profile, highly acclaimed junior, a very well-rounded game. He's already made an ATP 250 final. If he made a jump, just don't be surprised is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely understand. It's just, uh, it's hard to, to have any confidence in that. I get what you mean, though. He's definitely gaining that experience. I just feel like even over the last few months, we've seen a ton of up and down. I mean, even if you go back like, one tournament before Paris, right? He got absolutely dusted in the qualies by Peter Gojo of Germany, one and one. So, I mean, it's just like, you never know, right? So I think one thing you're absolutely right as he's getting more experience on tour. I mean, this event is absolutely built for a person like Rude, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, I mean, the fun of this is no ad scoring. So in this match, there was one break of serve and it was Kesmenovic, And like, that was it. So 
credit to Kasparud for protecting his serve, but this was a back-and-forth battle, and you're right, that match point was a testament to how physical this became, and it speaks to Kasmenovic's upside that he was able to come out on top for Kasmenovic. I mean, he's had a great year as well. He's going to end up around that top 50 spot. He's sitting at number 60 right now, the position you want to be in when you're turning, you know, 20, or you turn 20 this year, you're right there, but I think it's Good quality match between two players. It speaks to the quality of the field at this event. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into it then. Some of the other guys in action on the day. We'll go on uh, to Alex Dimonor taking on one of your boys that who, who you've talked about a decent amount. Davidovich Fokina um, ends up being a four setter here. Dimonor gets through it. Four two three four four one four one. So really, sort of. Dimonar asserting, you know, I guess, his dominance amongst this crew um, toward the end of that match. But, I mean, did, did, did this match go about how you expected it? Yeah, Dimonar is the best player in this field. I'm sure mm-hmm. on whatever betting sites there are, he is a prohibitive favorite. I mean, I appreciate so much that Alex Dimonauer plays this event. It's like the past two years how I would have loved Zverev to play it when even though qualification-wise he was heads and shoulders above the rest of the field. Alex Dimonauer wants the rest of his cohorts to know, hey, I'm the guy to beat of this generation. I know Felix is really good. I know Dennis is really good. I know Stefanos, who's a year older than us, is really good. But I'm the best guy here of this group. And I think he's on a mission to show that what it showed me here is just physically, you know, as hard as Davidovich Fokina hits the ball, and a lot of his success has come on clay over these past couple of months. Uh-huh. You look at him, he's up to number 87 in the world, 37 and 18, two challenger titles this season. But physically, mentally, just the way he, the comfort and confidence he has in his game, Alex Dimenauer is the guy to beat. Yeah, absolutely. And just comparing even his results or even, you know, what he's been able to do over you know, the last year compared to a lot of these guys. I mean, it's really just that impressive, even if you're going back only a couple tournaments. Of course, that deep run, we all remember, to the finals of the Swiss Indoors ended up losing to Federer. But, I mean, the wins he's notching and the fact that he's going this deep in big-time tournaments um, tells you something, right? I mean, he beat Bautista Agut in the last tournament in Paris, 7-6, 7-6. So the fact that he's doing that and then hopping into the next-gen ATP finals— I mean, these, these guys know that he's one to look out for, and I think you're right. I, I do honor the fact that he's playing it, right, because he, he definitely could have skipped this one, especially with the, the matches he's been playing. Like I mentioned, that deep run um, <clears throat> in Switzerland. He could have absolutely been like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to play it. But I, I do really respect the fact that he's like, no, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to show him that, hey, you know, this is my reputation, and this is what, this is what they're going to have to do to beat me. Out of this young crew, I am the guy to beat. So... I like the fact that he showed up. I do. He's six foot tall, and we're at the indoor hardcourt portion of the season, and he's one of the guys excelling. That speaks to, you know, indoor tennis, two options are presented to you. If you're a huge surfer, it's bingo night. You know, you're hitting everything you could want. You're That ace is coming up, and you've hit the straight on the lottery. It's just conditions are perfect. Or, because it's indoors, you can be incredibly physically fit. Indoors, because the conditions are so stable, it allows you to have more chances to track down that extra ball. And that's what we've seen from Alex Dimenauer, is just because he is so physically fit, he thrives in indoor tennis. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's one thing too that look, no matter if it's indoor or outdoor, obviously there are differences, but we're on a hard court. I mean, this guy is going to be so dangerous. I think one thing you'll hear people talk about and even commentators talk about is obviously his movement on hard court is just something special in and of its own. Once he's able to gain a little bit more offensive power, I mean, look, uh, we you've seen him step into a forehand, but have you ever seen how crazy he has to move his body to get behind that forehand when he really goes after it. I mean, he is launching every single pound he's got into behind that ball. And so um, regardless of the surface, I think him developing physically is going to be something that obviously we're going to be looking for in the next couple of years because he's asserted himself as a specialist on this surface, right? He's asserted himself as a premier mover on the tour and physically and and just fitness wise he checks all the boxes that we're looking for it's really just is he going to be able to get over that hump and become a huge force right um, so that's something we're looking out for of course in this crop he's able to um, sort of show up as the dominant guy with the experience he has um, with some of the confidence he's able to fall back on uh, I think we really saw that in play today um, and I mean I don't know about you but do you ex- fully expect him to win this yeah, absolutely. He's 20 yeah, years old, and he's this physically gifted. What happens when he fills out? What happens, again, when he's done with puberty? Like, that's a whole other experience. This guy is going to be a monster. What happens if he gives up gluten? We saw what that did for Novak Djokovic. It's like there's so much projection left for him both physically and in his career because he is so young and yet his baseline level of play is such a high quality and we've talked a lot about Alejandro Davidovich Fokina but I agree with you Dimenauer's turn is contagious you're just like oh why can't I do that on the tennis court but I mean the natural firepower for Davidovich Fokina is also top-notch. That guy can explode through a forehand and a backhand, and I think he's much better right now shaping points on clay than on a hard court, particularly as the level of his opponent rises. But this is a guy we'll talk throughout the week. Special talent. Happy he's the one who fills in for Shapovalov because given the group of youngsters who performed well this year, he belongs in this conversation. Yeah. 100%. So we'll be watching him through throughout the tournament. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, the favorite, I absolutely expect him to win. I think this is one that, um, you know, if he walks away and doesn't win this tournament, you're kind of scratching your head a little bit. But um, not to say that, you know, the others can't win this. But when you're looking at this comparing to the field, you got to be like, all right, Demonauer, this is absolutely yours to win. Um, And there's going to be some disappointment if you don't win this. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. That being said, a couple more matches on the day to go through. Um, the Frenchman Umber taking on Yimmer. 3-4-4-1, uh, 2-4-1-4, Umber loses it. So Yimmer comes out in four sets, 4-1 in that fourth set. Interesting match here. A um, lot of swings. Obviously, you've got Yimmer taking the first set, 4-3, but then Umber comes right back out. Wins this one 4-1 in the second, and you know you maybe think Umber's going to have the momentum here. Really interesting match to me. I don't know about you, but going into it, I definitely thought Umber was the favorite and was going to win this one. 
See, this was the one when we were talking about it yesterday, Matt and I, I said, I'm going to guess this no matter wrong no matter whom I pick. Because on paper, Umbert, the higher-ranked player, I think he comes into the week ranked around number uh, 55 for Umbert. He comes in ranked into the week number 73. But you look at their success, uh, a lot for Yimmer of this season has been played on the challenger level, and there's something to getting ATP experience, and that's why I think Umbert was the favorite going in. But Yimmer is 44-15 and 15 this season. He's got one, two, three, four challenger titles to his name on a variety of surfaces, but two of them coming on indoor hard court. You look at him over this most recent stretch of time. Uh, he lost in qualifying to Rude in Paris, but he won a round in Stockholm over Joe Sosa. He won uh, a challenger event the week before that. He won a challenger event the week before that as well. He has been playing such good tennis down the home stretch. So I was not surprised to see Mikhail Yimmer, a former world number three junior in the world, a guy who's had, you know, he's got an older brother, Elias, two years older, but this is a duo people have been talking about in the tennis community for a while. The ground strokes are big. There's no denying that, and as the pace of his opponent's ball continues to increase, that certainly seems to be a problem. That's certainly why he's had more success at the challenger level than the ATP level, but on paper, I mean, the way the ball explodes off Mikhail Yimmer's racket, it was a pleasure to watch him play today. Yeah, absolutely. He showed, I mean, he put that power on display, no doubt about it. You saw some some crazy big ground strokes, and so I think that's what's going to be able to, um, you know, get him some wins. Certainly got him across the finish line today. I, I think for me, though, just going back to why I thought Umber was the favorite in this one, I mean, even I think it was just his results... His results a couple weeks weeks ago is really what sold it for me. I mean, I mean that run at the European Open, right? He took out Gofen and just destroyed him. He dismantled Gofen, the two seed, mm-hmm. three and one. Then takes out Pella, the five seed, in three sets. Then has that three set run against Murray, where it really looked like he could have won that match, right? Um, and so, no, this is not opening the door for you to talk about Murray. But the point being here that <laughs> you know he's shown he's shown some really really good tennis, and so I was expecting him. Um, you know, not at the Damon Hour level compared to the field, but I was really expecting him to sort of assert himself and say, hey, you know, I'm at the top of this uh, crop of individuals as well. And um, unfortunately for him, just wasn't going to be able to do it. He's got an interesting matchup tomorrow that we'll discuss here shortly. But lastly, real um, quick, Ugo Umbert is the. Real quick, Ugo Ugo is the Jared Donaldson of this year's field, and that yeah, he deserves to be there. Okay. But like, eh. you want to show your work on that one, or are you just going to say it? And just I'm leave just going to say it. they were both around the fifties in that time. They both hit the ball pretty big, but I'm I'm not ready to talk slams with them or Masters titles yet. I'm just impressed. You know, I'm borderline impressed. Fair enough. Well, like we said, one more match on the day. That's Francis Tiafo and our boy Yannick Sinner, the Italian, getting that first win for the crowd. Um, interesting match here. Ends up going four sets. Sinner takes it 3-4, 4-2, 4-2, 4-2. And I think there's a lot to talk about in this match. We, we discussed it briefly before the pod. You know, not only for the positive side of center, what a good win for him, but sort of, you know, the Francis Tiafo side of the coin here, like, right, like, what are we taking away from this? You know, what are his expectations or, or what are our expectations of him, you know, in an event like this? I mean, I guess before, you know, I'm not sure exactly where I want to start. Where do you want to start? I'm sure you have a you have a place you want to go first. Well, for Francis Tiafo, who's the world number 47 coming into this event, and he should probably end the year right around that top 50 mark. I mean, 
You can't look at this season as anything else but disappointing given the way he started. He made the quarterfinals of the Australian Open, you know, in this group, despite Dimenauer being here. He's the only guy, or did Umber made the quarterfinals? I think it was round of 16 at Wimbledon, but he's the only guy, Tiafa, who has made a major quarterfinal at this next-gen competition. He made the quarterfinals of the Masters 1000 event in Miami as well, and then just the rest of the season, I mean, 21 and 25 is just not a, a it's not the year he wanted, especially when his contemporaries, Riley, Fritz, get ATP titles this season. They jump into the top 30 this season, uh, given the way Tiafo started. It's just, you know, to come here, it's his second loss in a row to the Sin Man. And Yannick Sinner does things uh, that are particularly well-suited to hurt Francis Tiafo, But the Tiafo forehand just... It, that's that's the conversation. That's always going to be the conversation because when it floats, Sinner capitalized, and that's the story it feels like of every Tiafo match. Yeah, it's just so interesting to me. I feel like you know Tiafo's in a spot where you know maybe you can make some sort of uh, you know lesser Zverev discussion here, right? Where you felt like Zverev um, was really the one in the next gen crop, that original next gen crop who made the first push, and then since then some other younger guys have started you know sort of catching up to him. I feel like Tiafo's in a bit of a similar situation with this group because. His name has been around. We've seen him make some deep runs in different places, have some great wins, even you know have some runs in majors, and yet he's losing a match you know to the up and comer, right? And so I think you know if you ask toward the beginning of this year, you know, granted, you know, maybe you were you know not having great outlook on Tiafa, but I feel like if you're talking long term, you're thinking, oh yeah, he's he should be you know a big time favorite at the next gen ATP Finals. Now that we're here. It just doesn't feel like the Tiafo that we were previously discussing, you know? Yeah, it's just the things he does really well always and the things that have always been so impressive about him is the physicality he can impose in a match. I mean, the guy is as quick as anyone. The way he plays so creatively, it makes you move three-dimensionally, right? It's not just up and down and left and right, but it's... He's hitting drop shots in one corner and then the lob over your head in the other corner. There's a lot of slices, a lot of him moving forward trying to take time away from you. And as we've mentioned before, over the course of a three out of five set match, that physicality can wear his opponent down much more so than a two out of three set match. But if I have to watch, you know, I love watching Francis Tiafa, but you know where the serve's going. They're going to serve to his forehand because that backswing yeah. is so big and he's going to shank a ball and then they can attack. Stan Wawrinka in his win over Tiafo. that's how he got himself out of trouble. Attack the forehand. I think the Tiafo backhand is plenty solid. In fact, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a top 30. It's, it, where he wants to be top 30 is probably that level of play. But the forehand is the issue. And as good as his serve can be, as good as his volleys and drop shots and how creative he can be, it's a fundamental flaw. And you can't be a top 20 player if you have a fundamental flaw in your game. So let me ask you this, though. I mean, granted, obviously different different circumstances here. But if you're just purely looking at that stroke, his forehand against the, the forehand stroke of Benoit Pair. <laughs> I mean, whose are you not taking? Let's put it that way. <laughs> I would rather have Francis's because at least there are moments when you're like, you know, when he's on the run and he has to improvise, that's when his forehand looks fine. Like, it looks great. Or when he has time to set and attack on attack the ball. I mean, his forehand looks good then. So it feels fixable. It's just the forehand mm-hmm. return. It drives me insane. Yeah, no, it's re- it is really hard to watch sometimes. And it's one of those things, too, where the minute you start looking at it, it's all you can fixate on. Um, yeah, it's really hard. Exactly. It's really hard for me. It's honestly, 
um, it's really difficult for me to watch sometimes because that is all I will see for like, you know, an hour and a half of match time. I'm like, okay, well, every time he's going to hit a forehand, I just, I just know I'm going to cringe a little bit, but then, you know, that's, you know, offset by, we've talked about this a million times, that backhand return that he'll follow in. It's amazing, right? So it's just, there's a lot of different things going on with his game. And I think if that forehand is able to get ironed out, um, you know, watch out rest of the field. But right now we're at a point where, People have seen him enough. They know what to do, and they've got a game plan. And if they're able to execute pretty well on attacking that forehand and then taking advantage, um, Tiafa's in a lot of trouble. Yeah, credit to the Sin Man. You can't float a ball to him because his ground strokes are now that good. He's that explosive. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yannick Sinner was not a highly esteemed junior, but he is a young player to watch. He has established himself at the end of this season. You know, he's broken into the top 100. He's 45 and 20 on the year. He's also got four titles to his name, uh, th- two of them on indoor hard courts, one of them on clay, one of them on a hard court. That was the Lexington Challenger not that long ago. I mean, he's been he's been really good. He made a semifinal of a 250. He won a match at a 500 uh, over these past couple of weeks. He beat Gael Monfils along the way. That Yannick Sinner deserved this win, but of course for Francis Tiafo, it's as you mentioned, third appearance here. Um, you you have to wonder when's the jump coming because you're right. The book is out on Tiafo. People know how to play him, and that's an issue. Yeah, it, it really is an issue, and it's something that. I think just hurts his confidence even more because obviously if we're thinking it, he's thinking it too, right? And he's hearing it, he knows. And so it's one of those, it's a difficult situation to watch, but I think, um, you know, as Stokoyak and I have talked about, you know, get to the actual off season, um, do what you need to do, do what you can, and then start 2020 fresh, right? That's that's sort of the outlook right now and, and seeing what Tiafo can do. Because, look, I mean, he's still so young and, you know, so much development is still yet to be had. It's just right now he's in one of those patches where it's not looking so good and he's got these people sort of catching up to him. But we could talk about Tiafo for uh, quite a long time. Let's go ahead and get into the matches that will be taking place tomorrow or today for you Wednesday listeners. Um, four of them, um, all eight will be playing. You've got Kasparud taking on Davidovich Fokina, Damon Auer taking on uh, Kasmanovich, Tiafo will be taking on Umber, and Yimmer will take, be taking on Yannick Sinner. So some great matches spanning from you know morning to afternoon if you're with us in Central Eastern time here. Um, for me, I mean, I think you could choose any of these as ones to watch um, in terms of, I don't know, just in terms of, I guess you could say what's on the line. I feel like Tiafo and Umber is a big one where that one has quite a bit writing on it. Yeah, that I, I agree. I would say Francis Tiafo loves to keep fans intrigued, so this feels like a must-win for him, and it feels like one he will win. For Umbert, he hits the lefty forehand big, but lefty, I think that's a great matchup for Tiafo. That means he gets to hit more backhands, and we just talked about why that's beneficial for him. So, fun match. I think Tiafo has the athleticism. He's got the weapon in the first serve to target that Umbert backhand. Uh, he's got the speed, the pace to offset him. I think Umbert, when he plays someone who is more of a grinder, that's when he's able to impose pose himself I think Tiafa will just keep him off balance so I like him in this matchup yeah I, I totally agree with that and one thing too that's so interesting you know we, we don't need to get crazy into the scoring format and whatnot but I mean realistically sure you can maybe draw some exceptions that we've seen in the past but truthfully anything can happen in these matches right I mean you're you're playing a set where a tie break happens at three all so I in 
in all likelihood, you know, you could see something be a five set match, which could have easily been a three set match or it goes the other way, right? Like there's the, the margins here are just so thin, um, you know, and if you get broken once, a lot of times, I mean, that's, that's the set right there. And so then you just, you just have to go to right on to the next set as well. So very interesting when it comes to the scoring on this, like you said, that um, there's just so many different dynamics here. I think one that'll be really fun is seeing Yannick Center with a win under his belt, um, having that Italian crowd even more behind him and even more pumped up will be a lot of fun. Um, overall, I think if I had to guess on the highest quality match, I would say Alex Demonau are taking on Kesmanovic. Um, I just think that these guys have been in good form. So we saw Kesmanovic get that win today in straight sets. Demonaro, we've talked about a good amount. And, uh, you know, I think this one's really a, a good test for Demonaro. I still expect him to win, and I think he should win this. But right now, given the form that Kesmanovic is in, this is probably the guy who, who is ready to test him the most. I think physically that in terms of quality of play, that may be the best match in terms of the highest floor again, but in terms of potential to just blow the roof uh, with shot making, this Yimmer-Sinner matchup, talk about firepower on both sides and that, both guys who want to go big, both guys who will take the opportunity to go big, Yimmer, a fantastic athlete as well, he'll get to move around and show off his improvisational skills. Fun day of tennis. Yeah, the Dimonauer-Kesmenovich match, those are just going to be two guys grinding. And Dimonauer, uh, or for Kesmenovich, the key will be patience. Don't let Dimonauer frustrate you with how solid he is. Don't let his little bunt backhand throw you off <laughs> just because you've got these beautiful IMG ground strokes. Um, but quality tennis all the way around. I would say if I had to pick my four winners, and I think yesterday I went three and one because I think I did end up picking Umbert accidentally. Uh, I might have picked Tiafa too. I think I went two and two yesterday. So I'm going to pick Dimonauer to win. I'm going to take Tiafo to win. I'm going to take, oh man. Rude. I mean, these other two are toss-ups. I'll take Rude and I'll take Yimmer because I think you're going to take Sinner. I am going to take Sinner. I am going to take Dimonauer. Uh, I'll come back to Tiafo and Bear. I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'll take Rude. And but the Vitovich-Vokina is sweet. I know. It's uh, it's really hard here. That's what I'm I saying. Know. The margins are so, so thin. Like, don't like, be thrown off by the fact that he lost in straight sets to the best guy in the tournament. Oh, no. He took a set off of the best guy in the tournament. So, like, I know. that means something. It does mean something. I'm still more concerned about this Tiafo and Humbert matchup because oh I want Tiafo to win and I really want to say he will but I just I don't have the confidence in it right now. I'm going with it though. The American next gen boy, you gotta I like some, it. You, no, you this gotta, is how it keeps you intrigued. Yeah, you got I got I got to see that happen. Uh, but so those I mean those are some great matches that we've got on deck for Wednesday's slate as well. Um, I know there's some other tennis happening across the world that I promised I would give you a few t- uh, few minutes to speak to as well. So outside of the next-gen ATP Finals, I'm going to hand the mic fully over to you for this one, Gruskin. You give me the spiel. Okay, and I will keep this brief because I said <laughs> 20 minutes and we're already right near 30. So well, as listeners no. are well aware, we talked about it last week with USDA play-by-play commentator Mike Cation. We've been previewing it for a couple of weeks now. 
the Australian Open wildcard challenge for uh, the USTA undergoing right now, the Champagne Challenge, or Champagne, excuse me, the Charlottesville Challenge are completing last week. Brandon Nakashima doing the best of the Americans, making the semifinals there. So he, the rising sophomore at UVA, who we recently had on the Cracked Interviews podcast, uh, he's one of the most fascinating players over this final couple of weeks of the ATP Tour, because if he does well here, if he earns himself an Australian Open wildcard, 0% chance he goes back to Virginia, right? So, and that changes sure. the dynamic of the college season, which is something we love at Crack Rackets. Uh, in terms of other performers, second place right now, Marcos Giron, who made the quarterfinals last week, a big tie for third between guys like Seku Bangura, Dennis Kudla, Dennis Novikov, Mitchell Kruger. A lot, if not all, of those guys playing this week in Knoxville. We've got number one seed Tommy Paul back in action as well. He wants to make sure he ends the year inside the top 100, and he's got some points to defend from the end of last season as well. In terms of that, uh, those leaders, Brandon Nakashima, a wild card into this event. He won his first round. Now he's going to play the 14 seed, Jean Vier. Uh, a bunch of great college players, uh, for our favorites, all in the draw here. But big to see Michael Moe get a much needed win. Ernesto Escobedo gets two much needed wins. He finds himself in the round of 16. Because not only is it about winning that USTA Open wild card, but for players in that 300 to number 200 in the world ranking. It's about making sure you make the Australian Open qualities cut off. Get yourself a chance to get into the first Grand Slam of the season. Get yourself off to a really good start of for 2020. And so this is where the grind happens in Knoxville. It's always love American challengers. Again, number one seed, Tommy Paul. Number two seed, Braden Schnur, a guy. Uh, Max Rothman talked to him on the Cracked Interviews not too long ago. It actually might have been a pretty long time ago at this point. But, you know, he was a finalist last week. Last week's winner, Vashik Pospisil, also in the draw here. He's in the number 13 seed and could see a round of 16 matchup with the number one seed, Tommy Paul. Really fun week of tennis. So if the next-gen stuff starts too early for you or it's like 4 p.m. and you're like, I need more tennis. Give me more. Well, it's always there on the livestream.com backslash ATP. And I believe our parent company now, Tennis Channel, is also showing some Knoxville Challenger throughout the day. So shout out to Mike Cation. Shout out to Tennis Channel. Shout out to the Knoxville Challenger. Yeah. Anytime that they're not showing that next-gen ATP finals, uh, that this is what was on during those breaks as well. So um, basically all you need to do is just keep that channel on all day and you are guaranteed to have something. So, man, I just wish, you know, when when are we going to get to the point in our life where that's what we do? We just look at a wall that has Tennis Channel and ESPN or whatever is streaming the current thing, and that's just what we do all day. When is that? Can I give you a counter? When is it we're on that wall sure. commentating the events going on that other people are listening to? I mean, yeah, that's a, that's also an option, but I just the idea of just <laughs> sitting and not having to do anything and just watching tennis all day and then just having it like flip back and forth like, oh, hey, it's Challenger. Oh, it's, hey, it's Next Gen AT. Oh, it's this, right? Like, mm, that just sounds beautiful. Yeah. I call that college. Okay, well, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> Can't we all go back? But um, no, well, thank you for that as well. Um, great, just great tennis going around all day long. Next Gen ATP Finals, of course, is what we're going to be covering um, throughout the week on those mini breaks. I'm not sure. Do you have Do you have the mini break for tomorrow? Will that be your lovely one, or is that going to be Kale, who we got on deck for tomorrow, Greskin? Always a good question. It's always up for debate. It'll probably be me and maybe Rothman. I know Vicky Duval is going to be coming on the mini break at some point this week to do a little Fed Cup final preview. Uh, but yeah, Sweet. we will be talking about this all week long for sure. 
It's going to be good stuff. Well, you always know, uh, you always know I love to come on as well. So feel free to holler at me. It's always a good time. No, um, we've got a GSP best of the decade on the horizon. The spreadsheets well, we are have, out. Now that we've we got some time too. to do some research. We yeah. have that too. I, I don't want to give away research. the topic, but yeah, no, well, it's a, it's a really fun one gonna be something of the decade you know if i'm gathering anything from these (laughs) themes you know i'm no genius but i sense a pattern here yeah this Uh, is one of those in-depth ones too oh yeah aren't they all we're gonna be aiming for (laughs) under the two hour mark which uh is something special i'm always i'm always trying to be the timekeeper and yet here i am rambling so uh we'll just go ahead and get on with it gruskin thank you for hopping on once again always a pleasure what do we tell our listeners that's the break All right, we'll catch you guys next time.